It's the Thack Daddy Experience brought to you by DVR Podcast. This is the Thack Daddy. I've been out of commission for a while due to just basic day-to-day life things. Enough of that. Hope everyone's been enjoying their summer wherever they are in the world. Hot, cold, whatever. Anyway... I'm just going to talk about this movie, Brightburn. I'm not going to get too elaborate. I'm just going to talk shit. So, I thought it was a really good movie, actually. Uh, The premise is basically a couple who's infertile finds a child who's obviously not of this world. And for the first 12 years of his life, he's like a perfect child for them. His puberty, the space shuttle that he came in on starts speaking to him in a alien tongue. And before you know it, he's destroying shit and under the impression that he needs to take over the world. Basically, that's what he was sent to do. That's why they only sent one. Because you only needed the one to take over the world because he was on Superman level in terms of strength and power, etc., etc. So, the reason I was drawn to seeing this film, Sans just trying to have an experience of disturbing content, was more about Superboy. Now, I know it's not a Marvel or DC or any other superhero affiliated story it's a horror movie but I always remember the storyline in the DC Teen Titans where the alternate earth Superboy was just a horrifying character because he was the antithesis of Superman he didn't care who he hurt he had a terrible temper and he had extraordinary power to back up that temper and just basically destroy whatever was in his path. And this movie kind of was the embodiment of those storylines without all the other characters and the alternative worlds and all of those things. So seeing how it played out in a film was interesting. The characters they chose and selected specifically the actors to play these characters you could somehow connect to the story it wasn't completely grounded in an alternate reality it it was interesting and i think it was almost innovative from the point of view of horror like you never really had a scenario quite like that the young man playing the main character was a pretty good actor Uh, I definitely bought into the reality of the story in terms of the world building and the story still had a lot of wiggle room left I mean were they to decide oh there's an enemy of that particular alien race and they send the kid And that kid exists to combat the one that was sent by the other alien race. They could do a whole bunch of world building off of that. And describe, you know, catastrophes in different worlds. 
uh, the fact that there is life on other worlds, etc., etc. Like, there's a lot of wiggle room for them to develop it into something else should they choose to. Having said that, it was interesting that one of the last people to truly believe. Oh, by the way, there's spoilers. So, yeah. I should have mentioned that in the beginning, but I mean, it is what it is. Que sera, sera. But, I mean, the basic plot was obvious. Anyway, so the mother was like the one of the last people to really grasp that her not-of-this-world son was actually a potential threat to the entire human race. Everyone else kind of caught on. He was awkward and... He captured that awkwardness of being 12 and not having a clear identity. But he also captured something that you don't often see in films that deal with powers. Which is, he didn't run from his own powers. He embraced having that power. And he began to thrive on it. And it's always interesting when people see these type of stories to go, that character's pure evil. Or, you know... That character lacks empathy, but actually framed in a context of a super-powered, pubescent male who figures out that he has a great deal of power, it works. Because you don't have the level of experience and control over certain sentiments and emotions the shifting hormones, the shifting social landscape. It's a constant state of adjustment from that age to like 25. So really, it's interesting because he reacts to people based off of how he's perceiving himself. Like they're frail and weak, but I'm strong. So off of that premise any threats to his existence were dealt with on a very primal level like what's registered as a threat in the psyche of a prepubescent extraterrestrial boy is not going to be the same thing as what registers with uh, many of us but you can understand it because sometimes when someone approaches you and they feel they have a right to and they really don't or they're encroaching on your territory or you want to accomplish something and they get in the way and you feel threatened a lot of times you have to circumvent that hatred and anger and kind of channel it into what you're trying to do or accomplish and achieve your goals in a far more peaceful meaningful and less violent way whereas this particular character didn't see a reason or purpose to withhold his ability to destroy to protect what he considered his uh, very territorial character I almost felt at times somewhat insectoid uh, sans the hive mind aspect but again we don't know the actual origins of how this character would be so it's interesting that he has insectoid kind of movements, but they never clearly define him as, you know, being insectoid. 
uh, I think like he might be from a hive mind and he was just sent to colonize like an inverted queen of the hive but instead like a king um, I thought it was an interesting film I thought it was very good I love the Superboy aspect, the power aspect. But I think what's more interesting is seeing the world through his lens and why he would do the things he did, which were all horrible. Uh, don't get it twisted. It was a horror film. And initially, I wasn't impressed. And then upon seeing, like, not seeing it again, but after I left the movie, I, I say it has something I call an aftertaste. Some things you eat don't seem great until... 15 minutes after you ate it and you go wow that was amazing and that's the kind of effect that film sort of had on me and it could be my bias and predilection towards the Superboy facets of it but I really thought it was a pretty interesting film overall uh, it was executed well had enough horrific moments and just the angling of the characters and their perspectives and the interactions overall I felt were pretty good. Uh, another thing that I saw recently was Godzilla. Now, a lot of people probably aren't going to like Godzilla, don't have an interest. That's fine. I happen to enjoy the old films with Godzilla and Mothra and Rodan and Gamera and obviously King Ghidorah. In this particular Godzilla film... Godzilla was kind of like covered in a plot armor. And him being covered in that plot armor is really. It's a downside to the film for me personally. But again, I know it's a franchise. So it's not like you're going to get Venom beating the shit out of Spider-Man in a movie. And like actually winning. I mean, he will beat up Spider-Man. But then Spider-Man would come back and win, etc., etc. So, the plot armor for Godzilla's, you know, it's well established. But the thing about this particular Godzilla film, which I thought was really good, was first of all, they slipped in a whole bunch of homages to the older films. Like the picture of the two twins who would sing to Mothra and Mothra herself. And they had King Ghidorah in the film. And I just like the pacing. Of course, you had the actress who plays Eleven from Stranger Things in it. And she performed pretty good. You also had the actress from, I believe it's the Conjuring Horror Film franchise. Slash Annabelle. That franchise. And she was actually pretty good in the film. And they also had Tywin Lannister. A.K.A. Brother Numsi. Uh For those who you who don't know, the actor who plays... Uh, Tywin Lannister was also in the Eddie Murphy film The Golden Child so I always find it funny when I see him in things even if it's Game of Thrones or in this case Godzilla because every time I see him I hear Eddie Murphy in my head saying brother Numsi and that shit is funny uh, anyway I digress um, the plot actually was interesting relative to these type of films. I mean, it still has that touch of stupidity to it, personal opinion. But also, it was an interesting dynamic to see how the 11 actress's mom 
and the movie was like this complicated lady is all I could say like she caused a lot of mischief and damage to the world just because she was suffering and mourning the death of her son which is kind of the crux of what perpetuates the storyline of the movie and how the monsters get unleashed and all that type of stuff so huge fights lots of monster fights that's what makes the movie good there's nothing to do with anything beyond that the monster fights are excellent I mean, they're going toe-to-toe. They're decimating things on an astronomical level that's inconceivable to a normal mind. I mean, we can register it because we're kind of inert and almost apathetic to on-screen violence. But, I mean, just the sheer scale of the fighting because of the size of the fighters is remarkable and amazing. So to that degree, I actually really enjoy Godzilla. I love the monster fights. I loved King Ghidorah in this movie. Uh, The three-headed Hydra style that he is is just remarkable on film. I definitely recommend people look at it if they enjoy kaiju or monster battles. Like, it's definitely cool. Uh, The last thing I'm probably going to talk about in this particular cast, I know people are interested in a Westworld broadcast I was doing. I'm still going to be doing it. I'm going to probably jump full swing into it in about a week or so. Um, I'm going to finish off reevaluating season one and then just diving all into season two because when I saw the trailer for season three while watching Game of Thrones, the excitement level was very high. Uh, seeing Jesse Pinkman in Westworld was an interesting casting choice, but I feel like the world they're showing is even more interesting, and the world they're going to unleash our favorite characters into is going to be amazing. See, I'm just imagining Dolores and Maeve in that world and the havoc that they're going to bring to it on a totally different scale is amazing. Uh, AI is becoming a part of our lives in a very real way. I don't think it's going to be on that level or scale where the consciousness will become fully self-aware yet. But I'm not really worried about it if it ever does. I mean, we've had fears of, you know, our creation since we could create. So it's inevitable that as we integrate with the technology we create and don't realize the ramifications of our actions there will be more fear so anyway last thing i'm going to touch on is you know i've heard some internet buzz regarding it was impossible for captain america to do what he did in avengers endgame if you don't want to hear any more if you haven't seen it you don't want any spoilers you could just stop listening at this point in time that's cool anyway here's my thing Everything that happened up until the moment where you see this older version of Captain America who lived a normal life. He couldn't have lived that normal life if everything he experienced wasn't up. Didn't occur is what I'm really saying. Everything that occurred had to occur just for him to end up sitting on that bench. So to say that time travel doesn't work that way. Again, would negate something I said in a previous podcast multiple times is that 
we exist in a simultaneity. Our experience of time is a linear thing that moves hour to hour, day to day, year to year, is superficial and false. And time is actually one singular moment that the mind could not grasp in its totality unless it experienced it in linear fragments so that we could actually perceive and experience this thing called life. So, <laughs> pretty much, I don't agree that Captain America could have diverged from that timeline to have a normal life because had not all those events occurred, he couldn't have had that experience of coming back to that bench. That's the bottom line. Everything was interconnected and worked its way around to that singular point in time. And then, of course, it jumps off from there. But suffice it to say, it's not plot armor. It's just how it is that, you know, that experience of multiple universes, they're all part of one singular moment, one singular point that expresses itself in a non- linear fashion not in a fashion we can comprehend like a moment-to-moment deal but were those moments leading up to that moment not to occur that moment could not occur and to say that if he diverges from his given mission at a certain time and then arrives back at that moment as a completely different and altered being through the time and through the age that that couldn't occur, I don't agree with that. Not only could that occur, it did occur, and it happened exactly in that way. Yes, it's part of a story, but my point is everything has a connection to everything else, whether you're conscious of it or not. And the expression of a given reality has its own existence intermingled with all the existences of everything else. Nothing exists in a vacuum in and of itself. Everything exists in relation to something else. And ultimately, that vast relationship exists in a singular moment that we call life and perceive as a series of moments until our existence ends. So, that's my good shot for right now. I'll have more stuff later. I might even go more into the Captain America thing. I'm not sure. But, again, I'll be starting the Westworld thing up soon and... I appreciate each and every person who takes the time out to listen to what I have to say because you could be doing something else. So I always appreciate that time out of your existence to share some ideas with me. Take care and enjoy yourself and enjoy your life. Back daddy out.